you engage um, a healthy relationship? to be able to just communicate and just like be comfortable with you and your spouse and just feel like a safe space to be able to just speak and just you know communicate freely I feel like that's pretty healthy okay so uh, a relationship that uh, that provides a, a layer of comfort yeah where you don't you don't feel like you're being judged you don't feel like you're being chained you know into feeling one way or another you feel comfortable enough to be who you are and express how you, how you feel. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. What do you mean? Mm-hmm. Um, understanding the differences of each other and and respecting those differences. You know, not trying to enforce what you believe or feel on on the other person, but understanding we're two different people and. Um, we're just striving together, so, you know, like, um, maybe you might have a, a certain stance on something, but, you know, you're willing to give and take, you mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Like, not, um, know that they have their difference, respect that, you know? Like, um, you know, maybe some things you're able to come to a mutual agreement, other things you can agree to disagree. Okay. So we said mutual respect. Um, being comfortable being able to be in a non-judgmental environment to be comfortable okay anything else when we talk about a healthy marriage what are what are the components that make a marriage healthy mutual respect is definitely one of that's one of the things that we're going to talk about um but i think um a lot of people go into marriage and they have great expectations of in their mind what they think a healthy marriage should look like and a lot of times that stems from you know either previous relationships they've been in where there was some level of happiness so then now that becomes the gauge by which they determine so if the next relationship they go into doesn't look like the previous one then they'll automatically assume that it's not healthy you follow me uh that's one uh some people um judge a healthy relationship off of you know their parents relationship yeah you know i've seen my parents they look like they had a great relationship from the outside and if the relationship doesn't look like the relationship my parents have then it's not a healthy relationship all right um these are just some of the some of the gauges that people use to determine a healthy relationship but it may not necessarily be you know, maybe that worked for your parents. Maybe it's not going to work for you, you know. Maybe that worked in your previous relationship. It's not going to work necessarily in this particular relationship. Although, if you were to combine all of those situations together, you would be able to find a thread between that connects, that joins all of those relations. You, you follow me? There would be a connecting thread. And without a doubt, respect is one of them. That A relationship cannot be healthy without respect. All right, um, the, the a, a a layer of comfort in the relationship where I don't feel like I'm shamed for being who I am. I don't feel like I'm judged for being who I am. Um, that I'm free to be, you know, basically accepting me as I am. 
that is definitely without a doubt um, uh, a component of a healthy relationship. Anything else you guys can think of? Anything? Okay. So I've, you know, um, this is actually, I'm giving you guys a glimpse actually into my next course. Um, it is, you know, centered on interrelate, interpersonal relationships, whether marriage, whether friendship, business, partnership, whatever the case may be, any type of relationship. Um, I think every relationship consists of five components and that's those five components uh i put into an acronym of sickler s i c l r and we'll go through each one so like if i had a board i would draw a skeleton right i would draw a skeleton and then i would begin to clothe that skeleton with all of the you know um all of the components that make a marriage healthy. And reason why using the clothing of a skeleton because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uses that reference in the Quran. He uses the reference of women being a covering for their mates and the husband being a covering for his mate. So there is a, a Quranic reference to clothing, you know. Allah says, Hunna libasu lahum that your wives are a clothing for you and you are a clothing for them. So that, that, and when you think about that, that reference that Allah used here, this metaphor, um, you can see intimacy because why do we wear clothes? Why do we put on clothes? Yeah, to cover up, protect us. Okay, so hold up. First is to cover parts of ourselves that we do not want other people to see. So there's a level of privacy right, right. that clothing provide for you, right? right. Provides, clo- uh, you know, a privacy for you, a protection, a covering for you, all right? And this is what spouses represent to one another. We cover each other's faults. When we're in public, we don't expose, you know what I mean, like what we're going through in public. You know what I mean? We, in public, we look like we're a united front. Behind closed doors, we might have just been in an argument. You know what I mean? But there's a covering. You know, my flaws, my mistakes. You know what I mean? Like, I wouldn't be able to come out if my wife was to expose some of my flaws and my mistakes. You guys probably wouldn't even be sitting here listening to me. You know what I mean? And for many men, you know, especially men in the public light, um, many of us, you know, um, hide under the cloak of our wives' protection for us. They protect our honor. They protect, and vice versa. We do the same exact thing. So, this there's a, you know, Quranic reference for that. What else does clothing provide? So we said the covering of your privacy. Beautification. Beautification. Very good. Clothing provides beautification, to beautify the external. So when you step out into the world, you meet the world with you know, this this external that you know, that draws people's attention to you and that's what husband and wife represent to one another they should beautify each other in front of their children you know in front of your children you are you are showing 
this beauty of marriage to your children. Your children are watching you and your spouse and they're seeing you kiss your spouse. They're seeing you guys hold hands. They're seeing you guys lay on the couch together. They're seeing you in these different intimate elements and it's beautifying the, you know, the, the, the institution of marriage in front of them. Um, anything else clothing provides? Um, warmth. Warmth. So a level of comfort there, right? If it's cold outside, you put on clothes, it provides a warmth of comfort. And that's what a relationship <coughs> should provide. You know, a, a, a safe space, a safe haven, a comfort, a place of comfort, right? When the Prophet Wasallam saw Angel Jibreel for the first time, he ran home and he said, what? Cover me, cover me. You know, he wanted that covering. Not just a covering with the clothing to wrap him in garments and cover him up, but cover me, you know, in my period of vulnerability and anxiety, you know, I'm, I'm going through something right now and I want you to cover that, which is why what we, when we talked about earlier, you know, um, using someone's vulnerability against them is such a violation. It's like, because I let my guard down, you know, and I shared something with you and then you found an opportunity to throw that back in my face. You know what I mean? So, um, Anything else? Clothing. What does clothing provide? We said comfort. We said beautification. Privacy. When you think about when you put on clothes, why why do you put on clothes? To what? To like impress people. Because people like to, because you don't want to go around when you're all like, Okay, that's beautification. So, oh, yes, you already said. okay, so is that is that pretty much? I, think so. I mean, if we delve deeper, I mean, but you guys get the point. The point like is, huh? Like a, shield a shield. What do you mean? So that, I guess it might tie into privacy because your clothes protect you from from people seeing, you know, you and your most vulnerable state. Okay, a protection. So, um. Not just to cover the privacy, that's one thing, but also a protection. You know, some people have to wear clothing under the sun. You know, you can't wear short sleeve clothing because the sun will burn you or, you know, being in certain places, you know, if you're cold and you put on clothes, it, it, it protects you from the cold, whatever. So, yes, a protection. So, and I mean, we can go on and on and on about, but the, the metaphor that Allah used of the of the spouses in their relationship to one another being like a garment, like a clothing for one another. It is just so profound. All right. So I arrive at the conclusion that relationships, whether platonic or romantic or otherwise consist of five basic elements uh, under the um, acronym Sickler S I C L R. The S stands for support. And we'll go through each one. Uh, the I stands for intimacy. The C stands for communication. The L stands for love. Wait, do we do K? Is K a part of it? Mm-mm. Oh, I'm sorry. S-I-C-L-R. Got it. Support, intimacy, communication, love, and the last one is respect. And these five elements, if you are going into a relationship, um, you know, if you're having a sit down with someone, then I think the 
you could start that conversation by asking the person, what are the elements that you think? Now this is your gauge. I'm giving you a gauge now that you can use when you now have a conversation with someone. What is, what is your idea of what are the elements that you think are necessary for a healthy marriage? And then pick the person's brain. See where they at. And see how many things they give you that are incongruent with what you got here. And let's just say the person says, well, respect is a big one. Or the person says, you know, communication, love. And they, and you know, mind you, they never heard this before. And they're giving you all of the same things that you have on the paper. I think it's suffice it to say, like, this person is on point. This person is actually giving you some really good stuff. Stuff that you already know. So it's kind of giving you a gauge. You know what I mean? Um, I think every relationship has to have these five things. I mean, when I'm looking at, you know, relationships between husband and wife, relationships between mother and daughter, relationships between father and son, relationships between business partners, relationships between, you know, friends, every single component of relationships have these elements in it. You know, just my research alone, before I put this booklet together, I'm just reading article after article after article after article. And I'm these same five elements keep coming up in every single situation. And I said, there must be a common thread between these five and relationships. So the first one is support. Every healthy relationship has to have support. What do I mean support? Support is, um, just looking at it from a linguistical standpoint, it is a thing that bears the weight of something else. You're talking about support. These legs right here are the support for this table. It bears the weight of something else. All right? Um, keeps it upright. To keep something upright. All right? The act of promoting the interests of someone and to provide them with substantiation. The act of promoting the interests of someone else. That means that when you're in a marriage with someone, there is consideration for the things that interest your spouse and you work towards promoting that interest. Whether that interest is, as my wife, she likes to sew. All right. My support of that is a sign of a healthy relationship for me to not support that, to say, you know, uh, whatever. You know, I don't really care about that. You know, what I mean, it's not important to me. You know, what I mean, it's, it's a sign of an unhealthy relationship. Why? To be unsupportive of someone and their interests is a sign of an unhealthy relationship. Why? Because there's a level of selfishness there. There's a level of self-centeredness. It, it all revolves... It's about your interests and not right. those around you. It, it revolves all around you. You could care less about what interests somebody else. And that will lead to resentment. The person resenting you. The person feeling like, you know, you don't care about the things that are important to me. You know what I mean? So... um the act of promoting the interests of someone else and to provide them with substantiation. What does it mean to provide someone with substantiation? Encouragement. Encouragement. It be, you know, like verbal encouragement, financial, um, 
that 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 was actually my next one. My next sentence was verbal encouragement. And, you know, verbal encouragement to pursue one's aspirations and dreams, physical and emotional comfort. So all of those things fall under the category of support. And there's no human being in this world except being in a relationship with someone. They need their support. Verbal encouragement to pursue one's aspirations, physical and emotional comfort. Going back to the example of Prophet Muhammad, he ran home to Khadija. He needed that emotional support. The example that I gave earlier with uh, Safiya and Aisha calling her a Jewish woman and her running to the Prophet for that emotional support. You think about a woman who is in polygyny and she gets into an argument with the co-wife and turns to the husband for that support. And the husband's like, I don't want to get involved and, you know, just make dua, you know, be patient. You know, it's like, no, the person needs that emotional support at that moment. And it's very selfish for somebody to say, well, you need to figure it out. You know, that's very unsupportive. You need to figure it out. All right. So verbal encouragement, physical, as well as emotional comfort. All of those things fall under the category of support. And what does a relationship look like where there is no emotional support? There is no physical support. There is no verbal encouragement, no anything. What does that relationship look like? Paint, paint a picture for me of a relationship where either a man or a woman does not get the support of their spouse. Maybe maybe there that person is still trying to trying to give some kind of support to to the spouse that's not, but it you know in your heart you're feeling like, you know, I don't know you you feeling hurt. You don't care about the things that matter yeah, to me. Matter to me yeah. mm-hmm. So. That that will lead to an unhealthy relationship, and this is especially true uh, with, uh, or is actually hot. It's actually heightened in situations of polygyny because it's easy for a man who is married to multiple wives to become neglectful of one of the wives because, and sometimes he's trying to manage his own emotions and feelings and of loneliness and whatever the case may be, whatever he's going through in that situation, but. Keep in mind that as you are trying to navigate your way through this situation, you still have people that need your support. Both the wife that is coming in as well as the wife that was already there. Both of them need your support. The one that's coming in because she feels like, you know, you've been married to this person for so long and I'm just kind of coming in and I don't really know you like that. She knows you better than I do. And you guys have history and she starts to feel like I will never have what they have. I will never have what she has with you. And so she needs that support. There is a level of insecurity coming into a situation like that. And then the, the wife that was already there is, you know, needs your support because it's like, my life just shifted completely from me being with you every single day to me seeing you only a few times within the week. And that is not an easy adjustment. And sometimes maybe their first wife might feel like um, maybe I wasn't good enough and that's why he needs to seek another wife. Right. Absolutely. 
that Shaitan starts to play on those insecurities. Uh, well, you, he took another wife because maybe I wasn't doing something right. I feel like a horrible wife. I feel like a horrible mother. Maybe he felt like he needed to get someone else because I wasn't good enough. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then, and then sometimes in, in, that, in that moment, the wife may not know how to express that. So it comes off to the husband. How is he interpreting it? You're you're insecure. You're jealous. You know, it's easy to just write it off as, you know, jealousy or insecurity. It's like, yo, why are you so insecure? Like, you need to get over that. You know what I mean? It's like, how do you just... Right. Put your trust in Allah. You know, fear Allah. You you knew what you was getting into. Right. Absolutely. So, you know, that lack of support is, you know, there. And then, of course... You know, even in monogamy, where it's just a man and a woman, you know, each each other, you need the support of the person that you are in a relationship. If you do not have that person's support in the relationship, you feel alone. You feel like I'm doing this all by myself because I don't have your support. Um, even with as it relates to raising children, if there's children involved in the situation and you're like, I don't have your support in raising these children, you know. So it's very important. Support is, you know, key. Number two is intimacy. Before I even go into intimacy, what do I mean when I say intimacy? Because usually people, their mind automatically goes to sexual relations. What is intimacy? It's, it's not sex. It's not sexual relations. That's not what I mean when I say intimacy. Okay. Yeah, I was going to say, like, um, quality time is, like, is is not necessarily have to do with sexual relations, but just us having quality time is a part of just being intimate, maybe. Okay, so intimacy is a close familiarity or friendship that you have with the person that you are in the marriage with. There's a close familiarity you feel like you guys have built a built a bond of friendship where you feel like you know everything there is to know about this person. All right? A close familiarity or friendship that is usually affectionate and loving. That's the definition of intimacy. The state of being, you know, uh intimate, a close association with someone that involves detailed knowledge and understanding of them and their needs. A close association with someone that that can, that involves detailed knowledge and understanding of them and their needs. That's what being intimate with someone means. That this person knows you so well. They know, you know, they know your needs. They know your wants. They, you know, know everything there is to know about you. All right. Um. It is a process whereby we feel truly seen by the person and known and connected to the person that we are in a relationship with. You feel like this person sees you. They get you. You you follow me? Yes. You feel like the person sees you. They get you. They understand you. All right? And you feel connected to that person because of that. 
It's like, you know, a spouse knowing, you know, without, like, as I said earlier, you know, talking about the emotional intelligence that your spouse knows that you're angry. They don't have to ask you, are you upset? They already, they can read your body language. They can read your nonverbal communication. They can read without you saying anything. They automatically know. Because sometimes it can be annoying when a spouse says, you angry? You upset? It's like, do you have to ask? (laughs) You really have to ask me, am I upset? You don't know me well enough by now to know when I'm upset and when I'm not upset? Are you that disconnected? Like, we're married. How could you be so disconnected from me? You know, so it's, you know, that connection to the person um, that we are in a relationship with, whereby we feel truly seen and known and connected to that person. Uh, Intimacy could be, you know, levels. So put another category. So put, you know, the, the categories or the levels of intimacy. There are levels to intimacy. So there is um, there is uh, intellectual intimacy. What does that mean? Uh, maybe like he, like you guys can connect on like an intimate, uh, intellectual level. Like you guys can have like a conversation, intellectual stimulation. There you go. Keyword: intellectual stimulation. You're connected intellectually. Mentally, you guys can connect on a level, right? That you can't never, you can't really connect with other, other people on that mental level. So there's intellectual intimacy, all right. And for some people, that's a must in a relationship. If you you can't connect with the person intellectually, the, there that there's not going to be much left of your relationship. It's just going to all be physical. So then there's physical intimacy. Obviously, this is the way that, you know, um, the person is affectionate with you or the way you are affectionate with the other person, hugging, holding hands, uh, kissing, whatever the case may be. This is physical intimacy. All right. It, it, It doesn't have anything to do with sex. It's just the chemistry of your bodies and how your bodies, you know, are in sync with one another. All right. Uh, so there's intellectual intimacy, there's physical intimacy, uh, there's emotional intimacy. What do I mean when I say emotional intimacy? What is emotional intimacy? Go back to the definition of intimacy and then add plug in emotional there. What does emotional intimacy look like? Mm-hmm. So going back to the definition of intimacy, let me repeat that a close association with someone that involves detailed knowledge and understanding of them and their needs. It is a process whereby we feel truly seen, known and connected to the person that we are in a relationship with. So plug in emotional intimacy. You're in tune with their emotions. A lot about what we talked about earlier, emotional intelligence. You're in tune with that person's emotions. You know when they're upset. You know when they're happy. You know when you know they're anxious. You know all of these things about the person. So there's emotional intimacy. And uh, what happens... 
What happens when there's a break in the emotional intimacy? You become emotionally disconnected from someone. That means that, for example, you might have just had a death in your family and you're grieving and your husband wants to have sex. It's just like, this is not the time to have sex. And then he'll run the, oh, you denying me my rights. You know, the angels curse you until you wake up in the morning because you're done. It's just like, how emotionally disconnected can you possibly be? I'm not denying you your rights, but I have something that I that is infringing on my ability to to be with you in an intimate setting like that. I can't mentally I'm not there. And if you were in tune with me, you would know. There you go. Yeah. If you were in tune with me, you would already know that. So there is an emotional disconnect. Mm-hmm. And that and believe it or not, that happens a lot in the Islamic community. Because we're not taught emotional intelligence. We're not taught that. We're taught everything is um, black and white. Everything is theoretical. Everything is kind of spelled out and we have to follow it black and white to the T. Everything is ritualistic. You know what I mean? Establish the Salat and, you know, fast a month of Ramadan. And it's just like, all right, you're fasting, but your character hasn't changed. Because you don't go any deeper than the surface as it relates to the rituals of the religion. You don't go any deeper than that. The Salat is just mechanical movement. Fasting is just leaving all food, drink, and sexual desires until it's time to break the fast. Meanwhile, you haven't delved any deeper in you know this whole pool of you know spiritual devotion you haven't gone any deeper than the surface and that is why many in in our communities in the islamic communities are you know able to fast and pray and and then still turn around and do major haram and it's just like how can you do that how can you pray five times a day and then still sleep with someone subjecting yourself to a punishment in hellfire that is just you know, it's serious, but we do it. I got an email from a sister the other day and she said, you know, I had a sit down with uh, a particular brother and she said, you know, um, I liked his family. He liked my family, blah, blah, blah. And she said, so we went to dinner one night. Obviously they shouldn't have been alone at the dinner table, but nonetheless, she said, we went to dinner and she said, um, when the waitress brought us the menu, um, I'm ordering an appetizer and he orders a glass of wine. She said, so I looked across the table at him and I said, she said, I said to him, you know, did you really just sit here and order a glass of wine? And he said, yeah, what's the problem? Glass of wine with dinner is not that big. She said, but alcohol is hot on. He said, yeah, I know, but, you know, I, you know, this. I've been doing this for a long time. And she's like, you've been doing this for a long time. And this is a guy that just proposed to her. And so she said she came to the realization that um, something is definitely wrong here. She said, because this man prays five times a day religiously. She said, not only does he pray five times a day, he has memorized almost all of the Quran. And you would sit down at a table and order a glass of wine with dinner as if it's nothing. 
So you ask yourself, what allows a person to do that? How could a person who has memorized most of the Quran, prays five times a day religiously, devoutly, and yet still engage in a major sin in Islam? Drinking khamar is obviously a major sin in Islam. How could a person do that? Um, marijuana, I'm still kind of on the ropes with the medicinal. Obviously, recreational is haram. There's no debate about that. Because when the word khamar in Arabic does not just refer to alcohol, it refers to anything that intoxicates. Huh? If they die in that state using recreational marijuana, wallahu alam. I, I can't say what God is going to do to somebody and what He's not going to do to somebody. That's not my place. Well, I'm just asking because you know, like, okay, we know, like, um, if, if you're high, that your salat is not uh, accepted for forty days, mm -hmm. thirty days, right? forty days, forty days. Okay. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's yeah. That's a horrible state to die in. But here again, we, we still do not put the person outside of the fold of Islam. So as long as they know that it's haram. They're they doing it. They know it's haram. They still believe that it's haram. Then they're a sinner. Just like anybody else who commits a sin. But when they go from making it haram to now justifying it and saying it's not haram because it grows from the earth and if Allah didn't want it here then why did he put it here and all these other you know justifications for why they do it then that may in fact put you outside of the fold of Islam not necessarily because you're smoking marijuana but because you have now made something that is haram halal and that in itself is a is a sin that removes a person from the fold of Islam to take something that Allah made haram and make it halal using whatever justification you use, that is something that will put you outside of the fold of Islam. Not because you did it, but because it's what's called istihlal. Istihlal is to take something that is haram and make it halal. Or vice versa. Right? So, um, as far as how he will be dealt with in the hereafter, wallahu alam. Does he die in a horrible state of sin? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. The word khamar in the Arabic language is a generic term that is used for anything that intoxicates. So that would also include marijuana. Now, why did I say I'm on the ropes with medicinal marijuana? Because the ingredient in uh, recreational marijuana that actually contributes to the intoxication is removed from the medicinal marijuana. So there's no intoxicating agents in medicinal marijuana. So it's used to cure cataracts or to calm nerves and nerve damage and things like that. But the agent that is in it that actually intoxicates, medicinal marijuana does not intoxicate. So there's... A debate among scholars, you know, whether or not it's still haram, it's still something that could be used. Wallahu ta'ala a'lam. You know, I, you know, I'm, I'm still on the ropes with that. Okay, well, I'm sorry. No, it's, it's cool. It's cool. All right. So intimacy, you know, uh, very important. You know, so uh, any relationship that is void of intimacy is definitely going to lead to 
it being unhealthy because the person is going to feel disconnected from the other person, right? When we're in relationships, marriage with people, we want to feel connected to that person. Intellectually, physically, emotionally, we want to feel connected to that person, all right? So, you know, just moving forward, if you end up in a situation where you're having a sit-down with someone, obviously keep in mind the average Muslim does not speak this language. So you're going to go into a sit-down using this and the person is going to be like, what the freak are you, a doctor or something? Like you are speaking way above my pay grade. You know what I mean? (laughs) Right, you're going too deep. You might actually be intimidating to, to the average man who sits down with you and you start questioning him about these things. So you would have to break it down a little bit more so that it doesn't come off like an interrogation. You know what I mean? But, you know, so... How do you interpret intimacy or um, how important is intimacy in in a marriage? And God forbid he says, well, you know, I think sex is important. It's just like, oh, Lord, <laughs> you might want to terminate the sit down right then and there because like you don't understand what intimacy means. You know, that's a problem. All right. So support intimacy. Very important, man. Um so what does a what does a marriage look like that that has no emotional intimacy or no physical intimacy? What does that marriage look like? What does husband and wife look like in a marriage where there is no intimacy? Which is like they just come in and They're roommates. Yeah. Roommates. There you go. Yeah. They're roommates. Well, if there's no physical intimacy, he has or she has no desire. If you lack emotional, but you have a physical, a roommate with. Well, yeah, but I mean, even with the sexual act, uh, I mean, it's just sex. It's not love. You know what I mean? Like the emotional component to sex is what makes it love. You remove the emotional component from sex; it's just pure satisfaction of one's sexual desires carnal desires that's it when you factor in the emotional component it becomes love you know which is you know why i just had a conversation with my son about porn and that what you see these people doing is not love because the component that actually makes it love is absent that's, there's no emotional connection. You're talking about two people who got in front of a camera, you know, took their clothes off, had sexual relations in front of a camera, and uploaded it to the internet. The component that actually makes that love was absent, which is emotional intimacy. You, you follow me? Emotional intimacy was absent. So it just becomes a satisfaction, sexual satisfaction of one's carnal desires. That's it. All right? So, yes, they become like roommates. You're just living together, coming and going. There's no intellectual stimulation. There's no emotional connection. There's no physical connection. We just live together. That's it. Right? Um, I don't know. Has anyone ever experienced being in a situation like that? Where What, what would lead to an emotional disconnect? On the part of a woman. Let's let's look at that. What would lead to an emotional disconnect? What do you mean, like me showing it to my husband? Or? Yes, for you to to talk.
totally disconnect yourself from him emotionally. When I didn't feel any kind of support, like like he didn't care what what my my um, needs or wants or wishes. So you like, you see how you just went back to the first one, which was support, mm-hmm. and how the absence of support how it manifests. So now you begin to distance yourself from him emotionally because you feel like your needs are not being met. You know? What else would lead to an emotional disconnect? Um, you're not like in tune with the way I'm talking. If I'm talking a different way. Um, if I feel like anxious, you're not like noticing or picking up on it. Um, if I say I'm okay, I'm really not okay. But you're not even knowing that mm-hmm. I'm not okay. You're not even noticing that I'm not okay. So I just begin to distance myself from you emotionally, completely, altogether, because you are not there. It's not being reciprocated, right? Uh, what also could lead to emotional disconnect is when you start to see that your spouse has begun to emotionally disconnect. And... One of the reasons that a man would emotionally disconnect from you is because he's cheating. Why? Because as men, we're not wired to cater to multiple women emotionally. We're not. Which is why when a man, even if he's in polygyny, when he's at one wife's house, it's almost like the other wife doesn't exist. Because it's very difficult for us, Allah says in the Quran, that he has not made for any one man two hearts. Meaning, we can only focus our attention on one thing at a time. Which is why when a man begins an emotional relationship with a woman that is not his wife, what does he do to his wife? Ices her. He begins to pull away emotionally. Because he cannot multitask with his emotions. We're not wired like that. Women can, but men are not wired to do that. We're not usually wired to be able to cater to two people emotionally at at the same frequency. Which is why a woman can pick up very quickly when her husband is cheating. Because he begins to withdraw emotionally. Because all of that emotional energy is now being invested in someone else. You follow me? So this is, you know, you know, a reason why a, a man might also begin to emotionally distance himself from his wife because he may feel like it's not being reciprocated. Just the same as a woman would do with a, a man. He she'll begin to he'll begin to pull away because he's like, "All right, well, I'm opening up, but she doesn't seem to be, you know, being serious. She doesn't seem to be serious with that." All right? So intimacy is very important. Number three, communication. Communication is the art of articulating your emotions and your intentions with transparency and honesty. The art of articulating your emotions and intentions with transparency and honesty. With the aim of connecting with the other person. The key word here. Optimum phrase, optimal phrase is connecting. So the art of articulating, what is communication? The ability to articulate your emotions and your intentions with transparency and honesty. 
with the aim of connecting with the other person. As they say, you know, um, women communicate to connect emotionally and men communicate to solve problems. <laughs> and, that, and that's, you know, when we don't understand the art of communication. Men, we, when we could communicate, we're usually communicating to solve some type of problem. You come home from work and you say, oh, I had the worst day at work today. And he's like, well, you know, what you should have did was blah, blah, blah. It's just like, I'm not asking you for a solution here. I just want you to hear me out, right? Because women communicate to connect emotionally. Men communicate to solve problems, fix things. You know what I mean? And, uh, you know, when a man doesn't understand that, you know, he runs into a problem because... Your wife is not usually looking for you to solve the problem. She just wants you to hear her out, connect with her emotionally at that moment. Um, there's a, um, there's a, 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 a statement, a phrase uh, that says, uh, communication is the lubrication in the gears of a relationship. Communication is the lubrication of the gears in a relationship. If you want the gears in your relationship to move, to be lubricated, it's important that you understand how to articulate yourself. The breakdown in communication is when we don't know how to articulate or we think that we're articulating and, you know, we had a, a hour-long conversation with a brother last night up here in this room last night for about an hour and a half trying to get him to see that the way he is communicating with his wife is his fault not her fault he's blaming her for not understanding him but the art of communication falls on your shoulders because you are the one that is trying to articulate to her you know something that you feel or something that you see and if the person is not receiving that then you got to ask yourself why is this person not receiving this Right, exactly. He's steady faulting her. Like, she just don't get it, man. She just don't get it. And it's just like, all right, slow down for a second. What do you mean she doesn't get it? He's like, I could say it a thousand times, but you said it a thousand times the same exact way. What's a better way to say it? Figure out another way of saying it. And literally, we sat here for an hour and a half last night trying to convince him of this. Only in the end for him to say, all right, I got it, I got it. You know, we, and the thing is, is that we did to him, myself and Hassan, we did to him exactly what we were trying to convince him to do to his wife. We were saying the same thing over and over to him in different ways. Until finally he says, I got it, I understand. And we said, we did exactly to you what we're trying to tell you to do with your wife. If you're saying it one way, he's, I, he gave the example, he said... If I tell my wife, okay, the PSI level of the tire has to be at 30. So when you put air in the tire, you have to make sure the PSI level is 30. First of all, she's a woman. How in the world do you expect her to understand what in the world is a PSI level? That was the first time. I'm a man and I've put air in tires. You know what I mean? Like I I don't even know what that means. Right. the reason I know about the PSI. Like, I don't even know what that is. <laughs> we had to ask him, right, well, what the heck is a PSI? And we're men, and we don't know what it is. How can you expect your wife to know what that means? So he said, all right. So I said it to her three times. I said, babe, you got to make sure the level in the tire 
is 30. Level in the tire has to be 30. She's like, I still don't understand what you're talking about. So Hassan said, well, let me rephrase that to you. He said, what if you said to your wife, babe, if you drive the tire while it's flat or the air has run out of it, you're going to put a hole in the tire. That just means go put air in the tire when you see that it's getting flat, you know. And some of the pumps, the air pumps, they have numbers on it. So when you pumping up the air, just make sure you get it to 30. He said that's simple language. Like, I don't understand why you couldn't figure that out. Because in his mind, I'm articulating in a clear, concise fashion. You should understand that. That's an unrealistic expectation. Well, some people go from A to Z when you need B, C, D, E. There you go. There you go. Absolutely. Yeah. You Because that's easy for you to articulate. It's easy for you to communicate it like that. But the art of communication is it's just like a professor who comes out in front of his students or her students and gives an entire lecture for 30 minutes, 45 minutes, and then walks away. Says, everybody understand? Everybody nods in approval. And he walks away thinking, I just went out there and I just taught my class. Meanwhile... Nobody understood what the hell you were talking about. Because your concentration was on getting my message out. Your concentration was not on whether or not my message resonated with the people that need to hear it. So the focus needs to be more on not what you want to say, but how you are saying it and how the people you are saying it to received it. Because we put so much emphasis on wanting to say something. And then once we say it, once we get it out, we feel like my job is done. I said it. (laughs) But how did you say it? And did you even check to make sure the person received it? You have, which is why I always say, you guys follow me. You guys, you get it. You you understand. I'm looking for confirmation because if someone says, no, I don't get that, then I'm going to repeat it again. Maybe in a different way this time because I know what the way I said it last time. And if you didn't get it, it's not that I wasn't communicating clearly. Maybe the way that I communicated didn't resonate with you. So I have to figure out another way of saying it. That is the art of communication. You you follow me? Yeah. I just did it. Yeah, we're different learners. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So we we intake the the message differently. Yeah. Right. We process information differently, and you can't think just because this is the way that you would want it said to you that your wife or your spouse is wants you to say it to them the same exact way. They may not process like that. And there's nothing wrong with that. It, yeah. it just makes us different people. And don't make me feel yeah. dumb if I don't get it exactly. the way that you're trying to say it. <laughs> yes. And teachers do that. You have some teachers that will literally make you feel stupid because you didn't get it. And it's like, I'm not stupid. Or mates. Right, or or spouses, right. Make you feel in, like you're the dumbest person in the world because... I don't understand how you just don't get it. Right, right. And just like, you know, and I'm, I'm guilty of that as well. But, you know, because sometimes you get frustrated and you're like, in your mind you think, I'm communicating so clearly to the person. Why don't they get it? But in the other person's mind, it's like, I don't care how clear you're communicating, I still don't get it. I don't understand what you're saying. So... Communication is the art of articulating your emotions. One of the hardest things to do as 
human beings is to articulate our emotions, how we're feeling. Sometimes we don't have the right vocabulary. We don't have the right words. We don't, we don't really know. Like sometimes we're frustrated. We emotionally flustered. So we can't reach into that part of our brain and formulate a sentence that can actually communicate exactly what we want to say to the person. So we're scrambling, we're fumbling, you know what I'm saying? That is an art form to actually feel some type of way about something and to be able to articulate it to your spouse whereby they understand exactly how you're feeling. You're, this is what emojis do. This is why they created emojis. Because emojis is a picture of what you are feeling. Which helps. Because if you say, for example, um, oh boy, and there's an emoji with the guy with the, you know, you can now see, you get a, a picturesque, you know, vision of what the person is trying to say to you or what the person is experiencing due to whatever text you just sent them. I, I think emojis is, 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 is a beautiful way of communicating. I think we know that lingo. I don't know the lingo. Yeah. The young people. <laughs> No, no, you have Android. Poor, poor thing. Poor thing. Poor thing. I have an iPhone. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but, you know, trying to communicate how you are feeling or trying to communicate an emotion, it is not the easiest thing. You know, it's not the easiest thing. Uh, We think that it's, it's simple, but it's not. Especially when you're scrambling, trying to find the right words. You're trying not to hurt the person's feelings. There's so much thought that goes into communicating. You know what I mean? Like, it's so much thought that goes into that. You sometimes, you overthink it. And in overthinking it, it doesn't come out in the best way. And the person doesn't understand. And you get more frustrated because you're like... I tried my best not to hurt your feelings. I tried to choose the right words and I put so much into it. And then when I finally let it out, you still don't get it. You know, it can be very frustrating. But um, when you are in a marriage with someone and the person either doesn't know how to communicate with you or you're communicating with them and they don't know how to receive your communicating your communication, that could be probably one of the most frustrating things to be in a relationship with someone like that. You know, the person doesn't know how to communicate, so they talk to you all types of reckless ways, raising of the voice, using profanity, you know, just just very reckless because they don't know how to articulate themselves. They don't know how to communicate. Uh, things happen, they just automatically assume that you know, and it's just like, well, why didn't you tell me? Why didn't you say something? It's just like, you got to learn how to start communicating. Like, why didn't you say anything? Sometimes women do the same thing. You're in your feelings, you're upset, and you just automatically assume that he should know why you're mad. We are not mind readers. (laughs) I don't know why you're mad until you tell me. You should. Women will say, "Well, you should know what you did. You did it." It's just like, "Yeah, I, I did a, a number of things. Which one? <laughs> I've done a number of things. Which one? Point it out to me, and let me fix it. Let me fix it because that's ultimately what communication is about. Let me give me an opportunity to fix it. 
So when a woman is angry or she's upset and she says, like we said downstairs earlier, most of the men don't communicate. That was the common thread with all of the brothers. Nobody communicated. How do you know your husband is mad? He just doesn't talk. He shuts down. You do the total opposite of what you're supposed to do when you're angry and you're upset. You're supposed to let the person know, hey, you hurt my feelings. I am in my feelings right now. I need a minute. At least they gave you a heads up of what's going on with them. And then you can figure out, all right, damn, did I say it like this? Did I say it like that? All right, once they come to when they're ready to talk, then you can say, I can see how that hurts your feelings. I'm really sorry that I said it like that. You understand? Yeah. But at least you got a heads up. Some just don't say anything and just expect you to figure it out. So communicating. All right. Uh, communication is the art of articulating your emotions, your intentions with transparency and honesty with the aim at connecting with the other person. So what does a relationship, what does a marriage look like? When there's a no communication or breakdown in the communicate, what does that marriage look like? It's just tension in the house. Nobody's talking. Um, everybody's ignoring each other. You and your husband, you're just ignoring each other. You're not fixing anything. You okay, <laughs> you walk on eggshells. Mm-hmm. So How? Any, anything you, you feel like you might say something that. Or just set somebody off, or you know, so you don't say nothing, you know. Mm-hmm. Okay, number four, almost done. Uh, the next uh, component of a healthy relationship uh, is love, right? Um, I'm gonna be honest with you and trying to construct this whole workbook that I put together. This was probably the hardest. Love was probably the hardest thing to define. It was so difficult. I swear, I must have read at least 10 different articles on love trying to find a definition that was inclusive of everything that I wanted to convey about love. Very difficult to capture love, you know, in one sentence. All right. Uh, Love uh, and emotion and or feeling of serenity. It is an emotion and or feeling of serenity. But that still doesn't capture what love is or what love does in a relationship. It is the ability to be completely vulnerable with someone by giving them a roadmap to all of your imperfections and flaws. That was probably the most comprehensive of, you know, and I added some of my own wording into that, you know, just kind of searching through things and found a sentence and then I just kind of take the sentence and I'll just rearrange it based upon what I think, you know, it means based upon my previous understanding of the word. Um, But... It is the ability. What is love? It is the ability to be completely vulnerable with someone by giving them a roadmap to all of your perfections and flaws. It's like being completely uncovered in front of someone and you just stand there and let them see you completely uncovered as you are. 
You know, sometimes we might look at ourselves in the mirror and we see all types of imperfections in our bodies and our faces and our skin tones or whatever the case may be. I'm sure everyone looks at themselves in the mirror and can find some type of imperfection in their body. Something that you are, it makes you very uncomfortable. Love is the ability to unclothe yourself in front of someone and allow them to see all of your imperfections and and just wait for them to receive that. That's love. Love is the greatest vulnerability. The greatest vulnerability. All right? It is the feeling of unconditional personal affection and endless inspiration at the deepest level of human connection. That was kind of deep. I was a little deep. It is the feeling of unconditional personal affection, your personal affection towards someone and an endless inspiration at the deepest level of human connection. Love means to be deeply committed and connected to someone despite the many obstacles and challenges that despite the many obstacles and challenges uh despite the many obstacles that challenge that connection and or commitment all right it is to be deeply committed to someone and connected to someone despite the many obstacles that challenge that commitment and that connection that that is another more very comprehensive um term or definition of love um so you know when you think about love in a, in a relationship it means the ability to be completely vulnerable with someone you know letting down your guard and allowing them to see all of your flaws and your mistakes and your imperfections and to accept you to wait for them to say despite all of what i see i still accept you and for some people that's that's not something that they're willing to do which is why some people go into marriages and their walls are still up. Yeah. They're not ready to be vulnerable with the person. But how does that hurt your marriage if you are not willing to be vulnerable with the person? How does that hurt you? Does that 